Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Maybe he'll see a little better Saturdays. It is not only Friday, it is the first football Friday, if you'd like, of the season of 2023, at least 2023 season itself. Broncos underway with practice. Uh, now fans can uh, go ahead and visit that. Tomorrow will be their big uh, get-together day out at Dove Valley. And uh, obviously training camp started with a bang as back-to-back days of uh, Sean Payton sort of unloading on well, everyone who he's felt wronged <laughs> by. and That's or, right. Or perhaps even not met, but preemptively wronged by the uh, I- idea that the Broncos were going to be no drama, all business. Uh, maybe didn't apply to the head coach, apparently. But it, it is the feedback from that over the last couple of days has been really kind of fascinating. We want yours as well. 303-831-1340 is the number. The idea about where Broncos fans think this team is. And Sandy, you've been a slowly, I think, winning me over over the last few weeks because I thought that... Uh, uh, Bronco mania, as it used to be called decades ago, was still alive and well. And obviously that the city itself is different. The composition of the city is different. Obviously, a lot of people have moved in from other places and and it's different. But I, I think you're right in given the fact that even prior to this training camp, but in the last 48 hours or so with Sean Payton's comments, some fans like what they look at, at least perceive as defiant. But I was surprised that the majority of fans that I spoke to or people that were in my circle that that uh, got back to me or got to me on, on Twitter, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, if you'd like, really didn't love it. And it made them maybe less enthusiastic about this Broncos season than they were 48 hours prior. 48 hours ago, Sean Payton did not seem to have an agenda. Now, you could talk about the offseason how closed off it was, uh, how inaccessible uh, the Broncos seem to be, but it's the offseason. I make fun of it all the time, so I'm not going to bust a gasket when the head coach seems a little reluctant himself to appear before the media and make his players available. In fact, I agreed with his approach Back in May, I suppose, as the offseason opened, and Pate declared that the first month of training activity would be spent running and lifting, having almost nothing to do with football rehearsals of any kind. You know, the old saying, fellas, this is a football. You toss it aside. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to see this for You're a month with that. because all we're doing is running and lifting for the next month. I thought he was exactly right about that. And to make this offseason less about, to use his terms, PR and pomp and circumstance, it was fine with me, too. <laughs> I, I, I think teams that seem to believe the main objective during the offseason is to, quote-unquote, win the offseason are frequently found wanting once the real action begins in September. So I had no problem with any of that. But to hear him just go off to Jared Bell, the columnist from USA Today, 
The column today appearing in print entitled Peyton Starts Anew in Denver. This is about two, three, four days in a row that Sean Payton has appeared prominently on the pages of USA Today and or online. Right. On USA Today. Not one minute had passed from the moment Sean Payton welcomed a curious visitor into his office when the Denver Broncos coach delivered a striking message. Can I say this to you? Peyton said. You referenced that very quote yesterday. Shuffling stuff on his desk. And Bell writes, after seemingly being somewhat startled by that question, well, of course you can. Let it rip. Peyton telling USA Today Sports, I'm going to be pissed off if this is not a playoff team. So he plants the flag. And if he had left it at that, uh, I think more fans would have would have been on board. I'll be pissed off if we don't make the playoffs this year. Well, the fans are increasingly disenchanted at a Broncos streak of playoffless seasons that has now reached seven including six consecutive losing seasons, something we haven't seen from this franchise since, at least competitively speaking, the battle days of the American Football League. Not seen anything like this. I've suggested that this might be the worst Bronco team in almost 60 years. And from roughly 1963 through 1969, their last seven years in the American Football League, they were clearly inept, went through a bunch of coaches similar to what they've done over the last six, seven years. A lot of assistants have come and gone just as it was back in the 1960s. So for a head coach to come in here and say, in a league in which many more teams make the playoffs than qualified in either the NFL or the AFL in the 1960s, that I'm going to be pissed off if we don't make the playoffs. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you know, he and Eric Goodman are then on the same page. Both expect 10 to 12 wins in 2023. And no trouble with the coach being optimistic. But he did not, as we know now, leave it there. And I think what is disillusioned some of the Bronco fans I have talked to, and listen, I, and you feel the same way, I'm sure. I never generalize about a fan base. No, I mean, no. You talk to I mean, ten, 10 different fans, you get 10 you, you different try not opinions to, sure. or variations right. and so on. But it, I, I generally, being that I'm a resident here for almost 45 years now, and I'm in my mid-60s, the Bronco fans with whom I tend to converse are somewhere around my age. Uh, half of them probably younger. Half of them might be older. But what I am hearing is that what is this junk coming out over the last 72 hours? What's going on here? That the coach who claimed to have no objective, no agenda other than winning football games, seems to have many an axe to grind with many a football figure, even the coach up in Boulder right now was the target of Sean Payton's diatribe the other day 
having nothing to do with Deion Sanders, the coach, but Deion Sanders, the At player, an as reference. an example yeah. of a circus atmosphere that surrounded a team in 2000, uh, the Washington football team back then, which had imported many stars during the offseason and had what was known as a dream team collection of talent, except the talent was aging and past its prime. And one of those players was Deion Sanders, named specifically by Sean Payton, who in 2000 was an assistant coach with the New York football giants. So he's going back 23 years when he wasn't even a head coach and saying, well, from what I heard during that off season, nobody was going to be able to beat Washington that year. And we won our division, of course, went to the Super Bowl, uh, actually going to the Super Bowl without the play calling uh, talents of uh, Sean Payton, who had been, uh, replaced as play caller by his boss, the head coach at the time, Jim Fossil, who's a good friend of mine, uh, uh, who was, I think, someone you knew, I, I knew about, as well. Yeah, right? right, of course. And, and so I think the fact that this coach, here's another guy who, who seems to have an agenda, nothing wrong with having a chip on your shoulder, but then you start hearing from people down in New Orleans who say, this is the Sean Payton we knew. And and for a guy who won as much as he did in New Orleans, there were a lot of people who didn't buy his act, especially in the last year or so of his stay as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Well, let's note that today, uh, if not entirely contrite, uh, Sean Payton sort of, uh, I think, tried to dampen the uh, the flames a little bit. It, but, but listen, listen to his response, and let me know if you feel that he actually took anything back. I had I had one of those moments where I still had my fox hat on, and and not my coaching hat on, and uh, you know I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great off season relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message, and here I am, the veteran, um, you know, stepping in it, and uh, you know. It was, it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year. And, and you know, I said what I said. And, and obviously, I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint. And uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is, you know, if it can happen, and I, I'm th- I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy, and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job, and uh, two lattes in the morning, first first one I see, and 40 minutes later, I'm, I'm regretting it. So uh, it is what it is. Now, I guess you'll take that as regretting saying all of it or just regretting sharing it or... Which parts? Now, I, I will say yeah. the part that I do like is at least you get in front of the team and say, uh, see, I messed it up. Don't do that. That's good. Well, that I'll I tell appreciate. you what else is, is good. And I mentioned this yesterday, and I was fairly outspoken about my reaction to this. And it was my reaction. It's not a function of talking to a bunch of people and stealing bits and pieces. Right. From the, it's just my reaction. And I'm a talk show host. And I 
like to be as clear as I can be and as unvarnished as I can be uh, when assessing something like this. I don't know Sean Payton. I don't know how he interacts with local media vis-a-vis national media. I said this yesterday, uh, and I'll be more than happy to say it again. He did not claim that Jarrett Bell had misquoted him. Correct. And I respect that. And I take that more or less as an apology. Um, He acknowledged that he has been preaching for months one thing and then spoke with the forked tongue. The other day, at least didn't, in didn't doing exactly what he had been telling his players not to do during the offseason. I can only imagine the reaction, not that it would have ever happened, had Russell Wilson come out and more or less, at least regarding Nathaniel Hackett, say word for word what Sean Payton said about Nathaniel Hackett the other day. That would have been considered in extremely bad taste, excessively self-serving. And yet it's okay if the coach says that. Now, I think Russell Wilson, after Nathaniel Hackett got fired, by not saying anything, was more than willing to ride along with a whole bunch of people who said, well... Maybe it was 90% Nathaniel Hackett's fault after all. And and yet he let other people say that. Now, it would have been nice, nice, if he had come back and said, listen, it didn't work out. I'm sorry for that. I had no trouble uh, personally or professionally with Sean Payton. And those of us who weren't fired have to take some responsibility over the season we've had. It isn't all on him. That would have been nice, but that's not in Russell Wilson's makeup to do that. It appeared to me, whatever flaws you may find in Sean Payton, that being that obnoxious, frankly, and basically not only getting something off his chest, but basically starting a proverbial brush fire that has been, for the last 72 hours, the big story in the national football. Mm -hmm. Sean Payton pops off, sounds off, however you want to characterize it. And did he really want to be the biggest story in the NFL over the last three days? And more importantly, did he really want to put a bullseye not only on his own back for what he said, but on his team's back. And Russell Wilson's. Yes. Yes. If, if, and, if and, none and of this de- decline no was Russell Wilson's Russell fault. Russell Wilson didn't say it. Right. And, and if none of this decline, according to what Peyton had said, and whether he sort of kind of walked it back or not, if the decline from Wilson last year was not Wilson's fault, then the presumption was Wilson should immediately bounce back to the way he was before coming to Denver. Right. What if he doesn't? So, well, so now whether, whether that, he, now Sean Payton takes some of the blame may have point. meant to absolve Russell Wilson, 
But he's actually put a well, tremendous amount of pressure on he's him. He's put more pressure on Wilson, but even more strangely, and maybe somewhere deep inside, he wanted to put some pressure on Wilson. I not suspect he way, probably did. Not that maybe way. Not that but way, maybe, right. Okay. But he also put the expectations now, given what he said, the Broncos got to make the playoffs. And they got to win 10 games. Here, here are you taking off after the Jets as a model of a team that during the offseason conducted business in a circus-like atmosphere, which for a commentator may resonate. But that's what Sean Payton was last year. And I don't remember Sean Payton being nearly as outspoken when he was actually a commentator. No, no. And, and, and that part is that part of with the Jets is intriguing to me because actually, you know, everything surrounding the Jets or the Giants is always going to be news. But given the fact that the Aaron Rodgers deal was always going to happen in some capacity, I actually thought it happened in a quieter fashion across the league than the Broncos acquisition of Wilson the year before, despite the fact that the Rodgers addition is maybe a, a more significant player historically in the NFL in a larger market, I thought the Jets actually handled it in a way that was more quiet. So I I don't understand it. He did mention, he said, I think the world of Robert, talking about Sala, I don't know him. I don't know Nathaniel at the right time. I listen, it will certainly bring more interest to the game when we play them. It seems like years from now, I'll handle it the right way. That that he will reach out to the both Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett and uh, apparently apologize for the dragging them into... Whoa. Something that didn't have anything to do with that whatsoever. Now, uh, Salah will be deserving of less of an apology, I, I would Certainly. think. Hackett deserves a legitimate Hackett apology. Hackett deserves a legitimate apology. And uh, I always wonder about apologies like that because you, you go on the record. And listen, can I say this to you? You're putting yourself on the record right there. And the, it, the expectation. If you're Jarrett Bell and you sit down. This by the end of this, he's going to say, but well, that's off the record. Off the record. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly. the first thing he'll say. Yeah. This is off the record. Exactly. Right? It is just the opposite from what he actually said, which was, can I say this to you? And any reporter, whatever, again, you think of Jarrett Bell. Be and I've, sure. I've talked to Jarrett Bell before, and he's a nice guy. But, but whatever you think of Jared Bell acting, you know, maybe is more than just a good friend of Sean Payton's. It's kind of a mouthpiece for him. Well, well whatever. It, it, you're startled when you hear that. I, I, I've known Mike Shanahan now for 40 years. Mike Shanahan never said those words to me on or off. The record. But did he have, Can I did he have two lattes in the morning like Sean Payton oh, well, said he did? Yes, Maybe that's, that's the difference. They've been the difference. Just right. caffeinated up. You, you may have encapsuled the whole incident. That was it. Blame it on Through those comments made shop. by Payton, blame it on the latte. Also, uh, I'll, wherever he gets those, I would like to know. So maybe I'll ask. I'd him like that. some energy. Yeah, in that the sounds morning, great. I don't. I, maybe I don't have. Maybe I don't want two of the them, time. so I don't have to step no. into a league-wide no. firestorm. But maybe one would hit a sweet spot. No. You know, maybe that'd be good. So maybe we could find that out. Maybe that's an answer we can get out of uh, out of Sean Payton. He still made it clear, though, it is playoffs or bust. Is that realistic? <laughs> That's the tough part. And we want to know what you think. The number is 303 831 That's the Colin text line. 
Do you believe that, uh, that does this apology kind of, or at least admission that he maybe, as he said, should have showed more restraint? Does that just put it all away? Or, you know, if we were talking about a first-time head coach, would we be concerned about, wow, if he can't keep himself under control in that situation, what happens in a late-game situation when all the stress happens, right? We overanalyze everybody's moves when they're you're unfamiliar with them, thinking they mean more than they do. Does that apply to Sean Payton as well? I don't know what you think. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Curious to see what you think on a Friday if uh, Sean Payton's uh, admission that he was, uh, I guess, over-caffeinated, but uh, needed a little restraint, forgot he wasn't on Fox anymore as an analyst. He never spoke like that on Fox, though. He was never that outspoken on Fox. But, uh, I mean, he was worth listening to. Does it he knows put football. this uh, away for everybody? Is it enough that, that you just put it away and, and perhaps uh, you can do a little bit of judo here? I, I will say that I, I think Peyton brought up a very good point and I think handled it in a pretty good way to basically fess up to it and say, you know, without walking the comments specifically back, which he did not, basically say, I regret probably sharing all of that. And I'll use it as an example to my team to say, this is, you know, this is why we're not supposed to do it. And I'm the first one that stepped in it. And so maybe instead of being the, the imperious coach, there is not, there can be an understanding to say like, okay, Peyton does understand how easy it is in today's era to make a mistake that, that gets out of control. And perhaps that will work better for the Broncos than, you know, we're all business. We're not going to deal with any of that stuff. Uh, maybe there's more of a, a humanity to it that might actually help the Broncos. I can see that as actually a possibility. So, uh, you know, do you feel better about that? Is, is this all water under the bridge? Are we thinking that in a few weeks it's not going to matter? Pro- I think probably that's the case, Sandy, if it stops there. If Sean Payton got everything off his chest he wanted to get off his chest, then okay. The question is, if it keeps going when they lose football games again. I, and I that's think now the question. He's going to have to be very careful, not so much to avoid the kind of lamb basting he <laughs> gave a whole lot of folks in that diatribe he issued to Jared Bell of USA Today, but be extremely careful about offering anything during the course of the season that might be perceived as an excuse or blaming someone other than those present in the room for their problems. If there are problems, and I imagine there will be, as there sure. are with most any team, the Broncos aren't going problems during the season because they're not going to win every game. Right. So I mean, it's going to come up. There are going to be uh, there are going to be concerns. There's no and we said in fairness, both of us did a year ago in another broadcast life. We said, "Where's all the Nathaniel Hackett happy talk going to go 
if the Broncos start to lose, mm-hmm. which after opening two and one, they did. Right. And he won exactly two more games after that as head coach of the Denver Broncos. It is, uh, I think for the most part, Sandy, this, this can be a water under the bridge moment. I think it can actually be a teachable moment, even though it's probably not the way Sean Payton wanted to teach it. And perhaps that's, in the end, we'll look back at it as a good thing because it also may blunt Peyton's impulses to complain because uh, you got burned on this one and everyone for the rest of the year, because that's the reality, the rest of the year after this kind of blow up, folks not only locally but nationally are going to kind of be, uh, maybe Sean Payton's going to say something remarkable this week. They're going to be looking for it. Oh, yes. The folks that want the sound bites are going to be looking say, for it. If there's even a hint of it, people will jump on it now. So, if there's even a hint of blaming an official's call for a loss or concocting some other form of excuse, even if it's just hinted at, you know, he's got, again, the proverbial target on his back in more ways than one. And if I'm the commissioner of the NFL, I'm keeping a pretty close eye. Well, I mean, yeah, if he the Broncos want to send video to the league, coaches do that all the time. That's that's not an issue. But, but, but to you complain publicly right. and say the officiating stinks, which it's possible for some coaches to do, I suppose, although I don't know if it's possible to do without getting fined. But now when he says it, not only will he be fined and perhaps fined a little more, because of this incident. Well, and he's got good but, attention. <laughs> but it's it's going to make those complaints fall on deaf ears. It really is. It, 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 he's, uh, you know, the sheep who cried wolf. The, the point you bring up about Goodell is interesting, too. Because human beings are human beings. And Goodell, uh, in part, let's, let's be honest about Roger Goodell. There are things that you, you can feel about Goodell that are positive or negative. The reason that Roger Goodell has his role when he's so well compensated for it is because he does understand what battles to fight and what to let bounce off of him. He does understand that. And he understands that at times his role is to be the punching bag so his more wealthy bosses are not. He gets that. But he's human. And Sean Payton went after, well, all those wealthy bosses too. So if well, we call them gonna, hypocrites, yeah, yeah, and when call them and, hypocrites, I mean, it's pretty obvious. And, uh, said when the league wants to, and his word was kill, kill somebody, kill somebody, and that was his quote. Uh, I, I think he's got their attention, not only Goodell but the owners. And I think if Goodell wants to flex a little muscle, he may not get that much pushback. So in Peyton's case, I, I, he, he has to watch his. Own. I I can remember when the Broncos complained uh, vociferously to the league over the suspensions of the three quarterbacks in 2020. (laughs) Yes, of course. And the league's response was, in effect, with all the garbage we have on you and have gotten from you in recent years, you'd best shut up. Because we can can find other violations of protocol if we want to. Be thankful that our punishment is limited to these three quarterbacks for one week yeah. because we've got other examples that was strongly implied. And 
you know, I, I, I think we can safely assume that there probably, beyond the three quarterbacks, were others within the organization who violated NFL policy, and the NFL wasn't into uh, uh, going on an expedition looking for violators. No. But when it was a matter of these three quarterbacks taking their devices and breaking them, mm-hmm. uh, that was a bridge too far. Now, even I, for the I, NFL. I think that $4.6 billion of new money grants your franchise a reset. Sean Payton himself, though, may not necessarily be part of that equation because of this approach. I think the Broncos' new ownership basically gets everything. That, that, that's all gone. Okay. You're new owners, new people. Thanks for bringing $4.6 billion in. Uh, we'll, we'll start over again. But in Payton's case, that's, that's where I guess I look at this could be good because we were talking about this, and as we mentioned, uh, before, you know, when the hire was made, even before the hire was made in the offseason, um, Sean Payton's kind of that guy. Um, some coaches have been very successful that way. It's not the way I personally do things. It's not the way I prefer to do things, but I'm not going to say it doesn't work. It works tons of times. Sean Payton's the guy that's the smartest guy in the room. Yes. That every room he walks into. And if you have any question about that, just ask Sean Payton. We, we know those kind of people. And it's worked for him just fine. As you pointed out, Sandy's a top 25 coach all time and be in the Hall of Fame. Well, y- yeah, I, I, but... He's won. He's won one Super Bowl. I, I I think it'd be nice if he turned this franchise around. Even if they didn't, there's well, only so Super many guys Bowl. that have won multiples. I mean, so you know, right. I know, but some of those guys aren't his in the Hall way of Fame. has worked for, or him. just got into the Hall of Fame. It's worked for him, and that's all well and good. But as a result, as we talked about, and folks in the said the same thing. You know, Sean Payton is a it's never my fault guy, and. He's going to be tested because I think there's a very good chance he's about to have the worst win-loss record he's ever had as an NFL coach this year. Well, 7-10 and 10 would make it the that worst season for Sean Payton's head coach. But would make it a monumental improvement for the Broncos given their schedule, their division, and their conference. So, I do think there was a likelihood that Payton over the entire course of the year, especially after laying the groundwork, and I think you and I were still correct in dissecting that, what he was trying to do was preemptively shuffle blame away from any potential failures the Broncos might have this season. So it it stands to reason that someone who's outspoken, someone that likes the attention, and someone that has convinced them things that will go wrong aren't their fault, would likely be a pretty good soundbite after losses. But now I think all of a sudden, Peyton may have to rein in those worst impulses, and that's good for the Denver Broncos, who on a team that is rebuilding, whether they want to admit it or not, needs to find a way to approach this better and not whine when things aren't your just be better. What was bizarre to me. Go win games and be better. And don't complain that things it's not your responsibility mm-hmm. when you lose. What was bizarre to me about his outburst was that boy, he he's got a lot of latitude here. Well yeah. Uh, An immense amount of latitude. Every time I read a preview piece on the Broncos or a, a, a brief summary of where they stand going into 2023. I read things like, you know, for the last seven years, the Denver Broncos have been 24th or worse in expected points added per drive five times. That's seven years. Five times they've been 24th or worse. 
they've never been better than 16th, which would be right smack dab in the middle of the NFL. They were last in scoring last year at 16.9 points per game, and that includes the last two games where they scored a combined 55 points and still couldn't average 17 points a game (laughs) on the nose, even with 55 points scored in the last two games. And in New Orleans, it is always pointed out in conjunction with those facts about the Broncos' ineptitude offensively, the Saints were top five in scoring nine times in 15 Sean Payton coaching years, top 10 in all but three seasons. So what would make him so eager to lash out? That demands a a Dr. Rick Perea, um, who I think is set to join us on Monday in some form or fashion, um, talked to Dr. Perea today, and we didn't talk specifically about Peyton or get into it very much, but to me, he is a fascinating case study. Here is the successful coach in terms of total wins, win percentage, uh, longevity with one team and everything else. And he, he does things that no top coach, in fact, no coach that any of us can remember. Hearing any coach talk this way, I mean, that, that he of all people would be on the defensive and be looking to lash out when people are already giving him essentially a pass on 2023. Well, regardless of what happens, but that can look be at how bad they've been for seven years. And I understand his competitive instinct. He wants to be the one who comes in here and gets him into the playoffs and he will be dissatisfied, uh, teed off, peed off, <laughs> If they don't do it. Okay. But all the other stuff. I mean, I I was thinking about coaching feuds through the years in various sports. And, I mean, of all sports, I think the hardest one to find coaching feuds in is the NFL. Basketball, it happens a fair amount. Uh, Baseball, it it happens. Hockey, it happens. I mean, Bob Hartley and John Tortorella at Tortorella's urging, almost came to blows many, many years Patrick ago. Patrick Vaughn, his very first game as a coach, almost collapsed the glass yes. on his counterpart. I mean, uh, you know, Mark Crawford wanted to fist fight Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman, who seemed like he might have been up for it. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I don't know if Scotty was up for it. Scott, the, I think Scotty, Scotty was a little startled by the outburst, but I don't think Scotty was startled that the rivalry between the Red Wings and Avalanche had reached the point where, yes, a coaching blow-up was inevitable. It's unusual to see this. We talked about it yesterday, but you don't have to take our word for it, but the NFL head coach uh, Herman Edwards talked about it too, and that's why sometimes walking this back uh, may not be uh, completely wiping it out. We'll hear a little bit about what he said earlier today. Next on Miley Sports. We've come along. 
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, happy Friday, everybody. You made it to the weekend. Congratulations. Your reward, at least for 3,000 of you, is Denver Broncos practice tomorrow. If you'd like to head on out there, then you have tickets already. And, and by the way, the Rockies will be packing them in this week as the Oakland A's come to town. That's true. Uh, the Colorado Summer being sold uh, as usual out at Coors Field by the erstwhile baseball team owners. Uh, see how that works. The Rockies actually have a really good chance at that series because they ostensibly uh, are this poor while trying to win, whereas the Oakland A's are trying to get to Las Vegas. So it's a little bit different. But for the Denver Broncos and the fallout for Sean Payton, uh, who had no choice but to address the two-day-long firestorm that he set off <laughs> in the USA Today with friend Jared Bell. The uh, idea that you brought up, Sandy, we had talked about it before. You know, my my career is, uh, it, it's not brief, but it's not yours. And by, we tried to put our heads together and come up with anything that we could think of at the NFL level that had happened yeah. like this before. And we couldn't come up with well, it, really. Well, and I'll, I'll talk about a coaching feud that existed right here. And, and it wasn't always this way, but it developed. And we all remember it. Mike Shanahan, right. Dan, Dan Reeves. Reeves. Of course. And uh, the, the very interesting, at least for us, uh, week before the week of the Super Bowl, in early 1999, when Dan Reeves basically went out right in front of anything else that might have been discussed and told uh, his side of the story on what happened to him in Denver. And it was not complimentary uh, toward uh, either Mike Shanahan or Dan Reeves. I'm sorry, or John Elway. But it was so, speaking of something you had to comment on, it was so vicious that Shanahan had no choice but to respond and basically put together a 45-minute rebuttal, uh, referring occasionally to notes he didn't write it all out, but it was a very well-reasoned 45-minute presentation rebutting point by point what Dan Reeves had said about him the day before. And it was great stuff for those of us in the media, but that's what passes. Or Chuck Knoll sticking his finger into Jerry Glanville that time at the end of right. the game. They were not friends. But it's it's harder to find coaching feuds in the NFL than it is in other sports. I, I remember here, um, Hubie Brown and Larry Brown, right. in the last days of the ABA, couldn't stand each other. Uh, fought all the time. Uh, Billy Martin, Earl Weaver, and Major League Baseball were not friends. Two great managers, uh, different personalities, did not get along. And I mentioned Bob Hartley and John Tortorella, but we could go to Mark Crawford and Scotty Bowman. Mm-hmm. And that famous clash that's captured now in the 30 for 30 episode on the Avalanche Red Wings robbery. So we, we've got examples, but in football, it's there seems to be a sense of civility. Well, especially one- even if two coaches don't like each other in public, they're civil. What they say about each other 
in public. And, and having the, is, the, the fights Sandy, is carefully calculated. Where it's within the same team, like we saw with Reeves and Shanahan, or we've seen before. That sometimes happens. Oh, because yeah. oh, because yeah. one of the, the assistants are trying to become head coaches. They, they bristle, the stress of seasons, all sorts of things. And, they, and that happens. But that is somewhat different. Buddy Ryan, Mike Dick. Right. Then piling <laughs> yes. on the guy who's not even there anymore. Right. And, right. and it's a little bit different. Herman Edwards played, of course, for 10 years as a player in the he NFL. Uh, he was a head coach for another eight, but he was also a coach or a scout at the NFL level for another 10 beyond that. So the man knows of which he speaks. Around 30 years. Yeah, he was on air today on ESPN talking uh, on first take with Stephen A. Smith. And and uh, Smith, who's been sort of full-throated in the, as, as I would describe and did yesterday, uh, not surprising, as uh, Stephen A. liked the WWE-style approach of, there you go, that's a guy being defiant and sticking. Okay, whatever, fine. Until Herm Edwards disagreed he, he with him, and then it. he decided he would change his position. Herman Edwards <laughs> uh, made it very clear that, yes, what we were talking about is not only unusual, but he maybe even crosses a line beyond that. You do that inside the building. Mm. You can voice everything that you just said inside the building. When you go public, that's, the, that's bad ball, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. As a guy that's been in that league for over 30 years, Most of our I've never seen a coach do this. I've never seen a coach do that, Stephen A. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, no. I mean, Sean has a right to say whatever he wants. He's a head ball coach. But this was kind of disappointing. I was like scratching I, I, my head. I said, why would he do this? That's what, what I'm saying. What good does it do? I, I agree with you. But what I'm saying is he's never done it. No coach ever has. And he's not new. He's been here for decades. So why would he violate that code? I think that's a question worth answering. Well, <laughs> you had an opinion on it that went to, took a 180 after Herm Edwards said yeah, what pointed he it said, out. which is exactly what we were pointing to yesterday. Uh, it is inexplicable. Uh, I, I don't know him well enough to say that it's out of character. I've, I've never heard him go after another coach before, well, but no, I wasn't I with him in New Orleans all the Edwards. time. I don't remember any coaching feuds he had. And, I, you know, this it indirectly affected Robert Sala, who was mm -hmm. the head coach who hired Nathaniel Hackett to be his offensive coordinator and play caller right. for the coming season. But, yes, it was directed at an, another coach. And I don't care if he's a head coach now or, once again, an assistant coach. You talk about piling on. I mean, Sean Payton acted the other day as if, Nathaniel Hackett's reputation here was unblemished. That, that, that Daniel was Snyder just, was considered a model owner yeah, just until strange. Sean Payton told us the other day that he wasn't. That part is, is I think, the maybe the peculiar thing of this. And and uh, it, while it wasn't entirely walked back, it, it was mainly the idea that he shouldn't have said it which I think is the main th thrust of what Peyton Well, that said. was what Edward said. You know, say that behind closed yeah, doors. You can say what but you, but you take want. it public because he said bad ball, which is, uh, let's face it, what he's saying is Low it, rent. it was unprofessional. Yes. It was unprofessional. And certainly beneath a guy with Peyton's resume. Uh, and I will say, to clarify punch, what I said Punch up. Yesterday. You don't punch What's down. Why, why are you going after Nathaniel Hackett? 
or Daniel Snyder or or yeah, anybody else. Disgraced for that former matter. owner, or head you're coach a, that couldn't even make it through one well, season. With the exception of Bounty Gate, you're a distinguished coach in the in the NFL. What I said yesterday, and I want to be clear about this because maybe I wasn't as clear as I should have been yesterday, that Sean Payton acted like a pompous brat. Could have been gentler and said, spoil brat. That would have fit too. But acting like something and being something are two different things. And I don't know Sean Payton well enough uh, to know that he is pompous by nature. Um, I don't know him well enough to say that he acted like a clown uh, the other, or that he is a clown right. because he acted like one the other day. But I'll stand by the idea that he acted like a bozo and he acted like a pompous, spoiled brat in saying what he said. And there's no, no reason for it. Now, he's more or less apologized, and that's fine, and everybody moves on. But I promise you that whether he apologizes to Salah and or Hackett, uh, the Jets now have that week five circled. Of course and they do. Aaron Rodgers does too. Um, and Aaron Rodgers might have had that game circled anyway because since Bounty Gate, and he was one of the alleged targets, that, that was remember? In, in the memos that they uncovered right. you know, by name. By name. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers were the two big names. The only guy left in the league that was specifically named. Everyone else has been retired. Everyone else is retired now. Right? Rogers is the only guy left. Right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Highly but he's after about it. Bounty Gate, the Packers and the Saints, with Sean Payton coaching, met four times, and the Saints, frankly, skunked them three times out of four. 44-23 in New Orleans in October of 14. In October of 17, three years later, Again, it was New Orleans in Green Bay beating the Packers 26-17 to in one of the worst games of Aaron Rodgers' career. 12-25 for 87 yards, one interception, was sacked once, and had a passer rating of 39.9. Then Rodgers played great in a 37-30 Packer win over New Orleans at New Orleans in September of 2020. That was the first of the two consecutive MVP years for Aaron Rodgers, but he was statistically outplayed by Drew Brees even that day, as well as the other two games I mentioned previously. And then finally, opening day, we all remember this one, in September of 2021, the Packers go into New Orleans and get skunked. And in fact, I think they played that game in Jacksonville in 2021. I believe you're right. Yes, I think that's correct. Because uh, New Orleans had been hit with a flood, or something yeah, that, like that. I, I seem to remember something like that. Yeah, it wasn't but a hurricane, but it's been but it's been three <laughs> but, or four. I but, mean, but yes, but that was thirty-eight to three, and Rodgers had even a worse game than he had had four years earlier: fifteen of twenty-eight for one hundred thirty-three yards, two picks, sacked once, thirty-six point eight passer rating. So Aaron Rodgers has a score to settle, at least competitively, mm-hmm. with Sean Payton. There's not a lot of teams he's got team a losing record against. Anyway, and now you add this uh, comment that was basically that, that 
the whole Aaron Rodgers business was uh, a circus in the offseason and uh, is to be compared to what happened to Washington in 2000 when they brought somebody named Deion Sanders in right. to build a so-called dream team for Daniel Snyder in his second year as owner of the Washington football team that was called something else back in 2000. Hopefully for the Broncos, this is an opportunity to get back to football. And uh, I will say that at least Sean Payton resolved it in a pretty, uh, I will say, satisfactory enough manner. Put it this way. I have seen far worse walkbacks and apologies than than you got today. That was not fairly speaking. That was not a non-apology apology. No. No, there was a clear, no, said flat out, was, I regret saying it, I, should, I, I shouldn't wrong. have said it. I, I tell my right. players all the time not right. to talk like that, and then I talk like Good that. Good enough. Okay, set it aside. What does that mean for the Broncos now? Training camp starts in earnest. Fans out there today, they'll be out tomorrow. Our own Cody Rourke from Miley Sports is out there every day. We'll get the chance to talk to him next.